everyone and welcome to my podcast, Today is Not Tomorrow. Here with me, I have not one, but two very special guests, the marvellous brother-sister duo, the co-hosts of Cutting Chai, Naomi and Kunal. Hi Naomi, hi Kunal. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. <laughs> How are you both? I'm great. This is my first time on a different podcast. I've never recorded a... I'm not famous enough yet to be on another <laughs> podcast, so this is exciting for me. This is my second time being on another podcast, um, but our first technical collaboration, so we're really excited to be here. This is good. So Naomi's a bit more experienced. I'm sure it'll be fine if you follow her lead. And uh, you'll lovely. find that in uh, more than more than one facet that I'm uh, don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> we'll wing it and it'll be okay. A little disclaimer. I think I'll leave that to you to explain, Canal. But what's happened to you recently? A couple of days ago, I got my wisdom teeth removed. We can get into that story. It didn't go quite as planned because. I have low blood pressure and they gave me a little bit less anesthesia than they probably should have. So I woke up like at the end of the surgery and I was like, what's going on, guys? Seems like you're stitching something up back there. Um, But yeah, my face is really swollen. So it's a good thing this is a podcast and you guys don't have to see me uh, looking like a Lego. I've been joking to Kanal that he looks like a wee character from back in the day. I'm nervous that this is, I have like a little bit extra fat and I'm like growing my double chin now because of how swollen I am. And I looked in the mirror this morning and I was like, this is a midlife crisis that I think I'm having now. So I might not be talking as much because... uh, He's looking at himself on the Zoom screen. (laughs) (laughs) Because I might start bleeding, but it's cool. We'll we'll fight through it for the podcast. Okay, that sounds perfect. Hopefully there's no bleeding. And you, you look fine in my eyes. Obviously, I've never, I've never seen you beforehand, <laughs> like if via Zoom call or face to face. Unfortunately, but you look fine, Kanal. So no worries there. Like this is the peak, so it's all. <laughs> yeah, it's only up from here for you. Only up. <laughs> this is amazing. As we go along, I'm going to ask you lots of questions, mainly to cover a basis of what cutting chai is and to establish the relationship you both have. Delve a bit deeper into your culture and our shared love for food. Continuing with my theme letters to self, at the end I will ask you both to write a letter to your future selves, giving you some time to reflect and share some words of wisdom and advice to future you. Does this sound okay? I love that. I'm ready. Yes. Jumping straight in, what's Cutting Chai? How did you create this podcast? And why not a YouTube series? How did the idea come about that it's going to be a podcast and here's what we're going to do? Yeah, great question. Um, First of all, we definitely should have done a YouTube series. That would have actually been hilarious. Um, But we, um, so Kanal came home uh, during quarantine in the middle of March, um, right after spring break. And, or I guess in the middle of spring break, they got cut short. Um, and University of Pennsylvania said classes are online for the rest of the semester, unfortunately for Kanal. And so he was going to be stuck at home. And about, I want to say two to four weeks later, I jokingly asked him, do you want to start a TikTok account or do you want to start a podcast? Because I think we just need something to do outside of working classes and I mean also granted I wasn't going to be doing anything between May and when I started working in August so I had a lot of free time on my hands but I really didn't want to dance in front of a camera so (laughs) 
So um, we ended up, oh, so then he came to me one morning with some lined notebook piece of paper that he probably found from his middle school desk. And he goes, if you really want to do this, this is going to be the format of the podcast I think we should do. Are you in? And at that point, I had completely forgotten about (laughs) this proposal that I had given him. And I thought, well, if he's put so much, you know, work into this, you know, this this little plan, then I think we should go for it. I think also to like answer your question about the YouTube series simultaneously, I think both of us are a pretty big fan of a lot of podcasts and like have been listening to podcasts for a while. So I think that's why we were more inclined to do a podcast. And so when she introduced the idea, I was like, there's so many cool different formats you can do for podcasts. And we're not interesting enough to just talk for 60 minutes. So we need to do something cool, which is why I thought like we could make food while, you know, just discussing questions in our life. And it'll give us a nice back and forth and something to like hold us down and keep some kind of stability in the podcast while talking about you know, different interests that we have or different questions that people are asking. I guess we should have prefaced that. So in our podcast, if people have not listened to it, um, we ask, I guess, crowdsource questions from our audience, um, and they can range from truly any subject. So we get a lot of dating question (laughs) advice, which uh, one of our family friends' mom asked us, why are we giving advice on that? So we were like, auntie, don't worry about it. Um, she was like, you guys don't know enough about dating. You're not even married yet. And I was like, you don't know about my life. You don't know what I do in my free time. Um, but yeah, all jokes aside, we love, we love our solid auntie uh, audience audience segment. But um, we get also a lot of questions on just like school and work and how do you navigate, you know, this 20 something life. And it's, it was kind of fascinating because I think in the beginning, the questions felt a little lighter and they were very, you know, like general questions that people have about life. And then as it's gone on, um, the questions have gotten, I feel like the stakes have gotten a little higher. And then we really are trying to think, oh my God, how do we give um, everyone, you know, great advice? But with that being said, of course, we always preface it with, if you need, you know, better solicited advice, please go see a professional, you know etc cetera, etc cetera. but um it's been a really cool opportunity to i think just kind of broaden our horizons i never imagined to start a podcast um it also forces us forces us to be nice to each other for 60 <laughs> minutes and like really talk about it's a good way to catch up because you know we're working during the day and i'm also i moved to chicago and then uh i moved to new york so during quarantine so it's kept us in touch in a way like we'll text every day but um i don't know if texted naomi but she's a pretty dry texter so the podcast gives us a very good uh like way to just discuss our lives and i don't know discuss our opinions in a more structured format which is nice for us as siblings I'm going to touch on this. It's sibling love. I can see through it, Canal. You love her deeply. It's it's such a facade. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree. Your podcast is so unique. By having this aspect of making something whilst you're talking, it makes it a lot more relatable because that's what happens. We're doing things as we're having conversation. Life's a bit busy. We don't just sit down and have one-on-one conversations. We do other things. And I think it's a double whammy because we're learning these recipes and we're hearing your answers for these questions. If you're not listening to Cutting Chai, pause, 
and just go follow and stay up to speed with their conversations because I agree with Naomi. At first, the questions asked, they were a bit light, but now it's getting juicy and it's getting a lot deeper and the entertainment level just skyrockets. It's so, so good. In regards to your relationship, you're doing this together and you've touched upon having two very different schedules in life. You're busy and you're up and down traveling. When you are together and you're able to kind of take a minute to be with each other what's it like now you're you're both grown you're both adults looking back on when you were a bit younger how can you say your relationship has changed when i was younger she used to bully me a lot (laughs) i think um i think that's just like what an older sibling does so i agree it doesn't affect me it doesn't affect me now but i think i was definitely scared of her when i was growing (laughs) up um and we're only a few years apart, but like, I don't know, there's this classic story about, I am I was kind of uh, very scared of everything when I was younger, I would say, like scared of horror movies, scared of everything. and Which has completely flipped now, and I'm very much more the fearful, avoidant type, which is funny. But uh, we would like play basketball in our driveway, and my mom would like send us both out, and I liked playing basketball, and she was like, I don't want to play basketball, and especially not with him. And so we would be playing and the ball would roll somewhere and she like hid behind a car and she was like, hey kid, give me your money. And I like was about to start crying. Um, So that's kind of what the relationship was before. Um, But yeah, I mean, as we, I think when we, I don't know how you feel, but I think after she left for college, it's you it's let you see your sibling less and you want to connect more and there's more you can talk about because you guys are now living different lifestyles and it's also just weird being the only kid at home for a little bit even if we didn't talk every day when we were both in high school it was just there's a different aura in the house when there's two kids at home even now when i think when when i come home or when she comes home and we're both here together it's just a different vibe and now we can talk to each other about advice like basically the questions that we're answering on cutting chai and the advice that we give is not i mean the situations might not be the same but often i will come to her for advice on relationships or job or career or anything like that and i think she's starting to do the same too now that i've learned a couple things in college and i'm not a complete idiot anymore yeah I think you you summed it up pretty well but it's I think growing up I was very when I was in elementary school I was definitely a lot less I'm trying to figure out what word to use nice amiable kind I think I was just a little bit more carefree than I than I am now I I would definitely say out of everyone in my family now I'm very much like type a everything has to be planned like I always need to have an idea or like a framework before I jump into something and so I feel like when I was younger like I definitely pranked him a lot I used to screw with him a lot um because you know it was easy to pick on now not so much he's like twice my size but um it's it's interesting because I would say probably when I got to my sophomore year of high school and Kanal and I actually were the same height and I remember starting to see him at like that was actually like a big change for me because now I'm like oh my brother's like growing up and now this is someone that I could talk to about you know the issues that I have in my life um and we also ended up going to 
we overlapped one year in high school and we both went to a science and technology high school. And so that was also a very unique shared experience that we had that I think brought us closer together because my experience was very much, I was very interested in writing and humanities and I was interested in science and ended up pursuing science in college, but Kunal was like very much more like math physics, like that was where he found his passions and he ended up like becoming class president at our high school and I was like editor-in-chief of the Lit Mag. So we had like very disparate experiences. And I think that was also kind of interesting because when he left high school, like he can correct me if I'm wrong, but I felt like he had a little bit more of a nostalgic like look back at like wow like this was an incredible experience and I was like I can't wait to get out (laughs) I'm so (laughs) tired and so it was it was nice to kind of have another perspective and Kunal continues to be I think that that kind of rock for me when I, I tend to very much overthink things and he's always there like look at things at face value and you know like this is all that you've accomplished like you need to be confident in yourself and your ability and even though like now He's still, you know, my younger brother. I definitely look up to him and how, like, he uh, conducts himself and the work he produces, you know, in his jobs and, you know, all the other opportunities he's had. And I'm just grateful to have someone like him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> to, to have, the to deep, these on. are the deep things that don't happen on Cutting Chai. <laughs> just moving it over here. Little segments, just a little flip, <laughs> of, a little flip of blows. This is so beautiful. And I love the fact that when I have people on this podcast, you kind of have a different view and perspective because you're sat down and you're really thinking about all the things that have happened in the past. And what I love is you're both next to each other side by side. So wherever this conversation ends, I hope that afterwards you're able to pick up stories and pick up these memories and continue talking about them. Hearing Naomi talk about how proud she is of your canal, what does that mean to you? I guess I, I mean, I don't know if you've ever, I mean, maybe you said that once on Cutting Chai, but it is nice I think in families, or at least I don't know if this is true in other families, but I think in South Asian families a lot, you don't, you, it's rare that you say like words of affirmation. I don't think that's something that's that common unless you like really need it. So I don't know. It's nice to hear. You're welcome. I don't, I don't like getting too scenty, you know, but uh, it is really nice to hear. And I think we have an understanding between us that's unsaid, but it's definitely nice to hear. <laughs> so do you if I may ask a question do you have any siblings and uh do you feel some parallels with what we've said so far 100 <laughs> percent I'm the youngest sibling I have three older sisters they are married with children they are living their lives and I can relate to coming to a point where I can finally speak to them and be on the same level as them I specifically remember we went to a restaurant and we were eating and I had recently got my first job. I was working in a tuition centre and my sister said something and I was knowledgeable on the topic. So I started to talk as well. And she goes, oh, Moss, I can actually have a, a real conversation with you. When did you grow up? When did this happen? And I think that after this kind of time, moving forward, I am now able to speak to my sisters as an adult and speak to them and not have anything sugarcoated. They kind of believe that I'm ready to hear anything about the world. They treat me differently and it's gone from being bullied as the younger sibling, that that's what it was, being told to do everything. All of the, all of the I suppose, younger sibling aspects of life, I've gone through at now, so I feel your pain <laughs> completely. But Yeah, I was, uh, I was told recently by one of my really good friends who I've known for like 10 years since middle school, he was like, you are the beta in your house. 
uh but that like made you the alpha outside of the house because <laughs> you i mean i think that's just what happens with the youngest person in the family i agree it's, it's made us stronger and everything's done out of love we're all growing at the same time so they kind of learn as as they grow as well and it's it's not that bad it's something we can now look back on and laugh about which i think is great just unfortunately we had to go through it at the time Um, (laughs) yeah yeah. not so bad not so well i think i think that whole situation has also made kanal like the most rational person in our home so often when there are disagreements amongst my parents and and i or you know like just all of us in general can also is the one who's like whoa 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 like let's <laughs> what what is everyone trying to get out of this conversation and i think often like the way that he can lay out situations in a way that everyone can understand is something that like when he's not around it's like we are all buddy heads because we're not talking the same language so it's nice when um you know he's in town or we're, we're all in the same place for him to kind of act as a mediator or a translator per se it's perfect we are the mediators i agree with you in that (laughs) i want to touch upon you mentioning you are south asians growing up in an american household do you think you got the full experience of being south asian and where exactly are you from let me start there where are you from um so our parents both grew up in bombay in india um they came here separately to pursue um their master's and they actually lived a block apart in Bombay, which is crazy. And they had a mutual friend um, who the mutual friend gave my mom my dad's number and said, you know, when you go to the U.S., if you need anything, feel free to call my friend. Um, not realizing how vast the U.S. is. My dad was in Baton Rouge and my mom was in Denver, our mom. Um, and she happened to call him. I can't remember what it was about. I think it may have been about laundry. And uh, they, you know, developed. I think this it was about life insurance. Oh, maybe. Or some kind of insurance. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but they ended up forming this friendship over the phone, which is insane. Um, and you know, now we're here. But my mom is half Punjabi, half Bengali. Um, so those are two different, I guess, ethnic States. groups within India. And then our dad is Konkani, and so a lot of his family in his native place is near Goa is known to be like a really big beach resort area um a lot of people go on vacation there in india um so it's it's really interesting because i think a lot of our family friends they their parents had arranged marriages you know within same ethnic groups and our we joke that you know we're mutts because our parents didn't come from the same um, indian background but i think because of that and they grew up in a very contemporary culture and or cosmopolitan culture in Bombay, like they're very, very were in tune to like English music and they went to English medium schools. And so when they came here, I feel like their assimilation was not as difficult as a lot of other, you know, South Asian families who have come to the US for the first time. And to be honest, I think that made it sometimes easier to blend in with American culture growing up because they they were already very in tune to that. They were like kids of the 80s, always were playing 80s music in our house. Like our house was so, still is so much of our home life revolves around music. Um, so that I think was there. But then at the same time, you have religion and growing up Hindu and Hinduism sometimes is often very cultural. 
So growing up in that was sometimes a little difficult because that often was not, it was difficult to reconcile with American culture growing up, you know, as a teenager in the U.S. Yeah, I think also what made it a really easy transition for us as kids who were born in the U.S. to immigrant parents was that our parents grew up speaking English to us, which is, I mean, I kind of wish that didn't happen now because I don't know Hindi very well at all. Um, like We can understand completely, but it's a little difficult to like engage in a conversation more often answering in English. I feel like if I'm in India for like a few months, then it's okay. And I will like be able to get around just because you're immersed in the language and I can pretty much understand everything. But since my mom was really comfortable in Bengali and Punjabi, I guess, and my dad was really comfortable in Konkani. And they both they both spoke Hindi, but they would just rather speak English because they grew up learning English too. And they were in America for so long before they had us that we just ended up learning English. And the reason we know Hindi well is probably because our grandma spoke to us in Hindi when she was around. So And Bollywood movies. Yeah. So, you know, English was our first language and we weren't really like trained in Hindi, which helped us assimilate probably yeah in america pretty quickly but i think now growing up and especially with cutting chai um kanal can maybe speak a little bit more to this but i think he got a little bit more uh exposure when we were in high school we there was a huge asian majority at our schools um both east asian and south asian and I know for me personally, it was tough to kind of be able to socialize with these groups because their background, their families were so different from ours in terms of like their parents' values and like what they valued and their home life. And I feel like I tended to gravitate to other kids who had parents who had lived in metropolitan areas and had that kind of similar experience. And so when I came to GW in undergrad, I was a little, I think, aloof in terms of like spending time with other South Asian Indian American students because I was like oh like they're they have very different values from me I don't really you know understand their families backgrounds and it was hard for me to kind of make friends who were also Indian outside of like our family friend group but then um, towards the end of my college experience I ended up meeting a lot of other students from India and Pakistan who were international students who are Indian American or Pakistani American And I think just something hit me where like, you know, at some point in college, you want to, I guess, like get in touch with people who share that background. And even if it's not the exact same experience, it's still really nice to have someone who understands living between two cultures. And so then I made a lot of friends who had like very similar, like ethnic and racial backgrounds to me. Yeah, I think I went, I think we actually tried to go out of our way a decent amount in our childhood to like learn more about our culture and I still feel like I try to do it now and I like one thing that I want my kids to learn is like to be able to at least understand Hindi at a level that I do which might not happen just because I'm not going to be speaking it very much but I, I want that to carry on to you know next generations and not have them completely de- detached from our culture. I understand where you're both coming from completely. I recently spoke about not being able to speak Yoruba, which is the language spoken by Nigerians. And I feel as if that's taken away a bit of my identity because I don't, I couldn't go back home and I couldn't speak amongst local people. I feel as though that has bridged a gap between me knowing who I am fully 
and my parents also came over to the UK. They spoke English here a lot of the time and I think that the mindset is they want us to fit in as much as possible. They don't want us to be the outsiders. As you've touched upon, when you reach a certain age in understanding, it's all about trying to find all the pieces of the puzzle to understand who we are. We are inquisitive, so trying to dig a bit deeper into our culture and our history. So I can definitely relate with you both there. When's the last time you went back to India? Do you go? Do you go and visit family? What's it yeah, like? we were going um, pretty frequently actually before quarantine. So last time we went was December 2018, January 2019. And I think that was the most fun I've ever had in India because when I was doing my master's in public health, something I think just like awakened within me. I was always watching Indian movies. Like I would always know which new movie was coming out. I was super only listening to Indian music um, and I think it was just like having this time outside of college where I felt like I really wanted to figure out what I enjoyed and what I liked. I also had, you know, quite a few friends who now like we spoke the same language and I would text in Hindi and in Urdu, which was really fun and, and a great experience to be able to practice. And then when we went, I would just remember I like literally cried when we got off the airplane into Bombay and in the past you're like, India smells bad. There's so many people. Like, you. that's kind of the mindset I had growing up. And we came and I was like, I'm home. Like, I just, it was this incredible feeling. And Kanal can also talk about this. I grew up always thinking I wanted to move to New York. I wanted to live in a city. And then I remember that specific time we came to Bombay. I was like, New York feels like not a town compared to Bombay, just the insanity of how much is going on in the city at any time of day cannot be matched, you know, by anywhere else. And it was such an incredible experience. I was so upset going back to the US. Um, and I was supposed to go again, we were going to go again this year. But I think it once you, you know, really accept that you are between two cultures, and that, you know, that can also be home, even though you've never lived there. It's just like such a freeing experience. I think a lot of people are like, I think there's this notion that people who are immigrants in America are neither here nor there, but it should be, you are both American and Indian, not you are neither of those Indian things. Or yeah. But it's hard because I don't, there's like a joke in our family friend group, which is all, you know, Indian Americans, we all grew up together for the last 10, 15 years. And we joke that, you know, we're too white to be brown and too brown to be white and there's always this um this feeling of statelessness that you're like between you know you you want to be american and do american things but then you're like i want to get in the car and listen to punjabi music and go get a samosa and just like hang out at home and drink my chai a samosa <laughs> and so <laughs> but you have those feelings i don't so know if i ever wanted tough. a samosa out of nowhere sometimes you just get in a car and you're just like i just want some daisy food I want to soak up my chicken curry with my naan and just move on with my life. But um, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> I, and, and honestly, and I haven't eaten anything in like three days. I've been eating applesauce and Greek yogurt. Anyway, I'll just be thinking about my samosa here. On the the memories. Um, the other thing I was gonna say was that I think now that this this may I don't know someone else was telling me this the other day, but being not like American with with very strong roots in America now is kind of cool, which I find kind of interesting. I was talking to my cousin who's 13, very much part of the TikTok generation, and he was <laughs> like, being not white is now the in thing. 
And I thought that was so fascinating. What like a different cultural shift right now when we grew up feeling like you had to mask your other culture, like mask being Indian. You didn't want to smell, you know, like the masala when your parents were cooking at home. You didn't want, you know, you would come from the temple and you would have um, the red dot on your forehead from the priest and you're like, oh my God, I have to wash it off. Like no one can know that I've been out. And so now people are like, yeah, I want to wear my sari and yeah, I want to post these photos on Instagram and be visible that I am a child of two cultures, which I find so interesting. Yeah, I think we tried to start visiting India more often because we still have some family there in Mumbai. So um, to circle back to your question, because we kind of went on a tangent there, but we, we've been trying to go more often ever since I think my sister went to college because you have your breaks are longer. You can spend a little bit more time there instead of just going for like a week during winter break due to your like county vacation. You can... Yeah. And going in the summer is hard because it's so hot. Yeah. And um, I mean, that sounds pretty weak, but it's just so hot. It's like you would just rather go in the winter. I am looking forward to going back pretty soon. Yeah. But whenever things clear up, whenever that is. Hopefully soon. I will say, oh, yeah. what you said about your cousin and this new generation, we are definitely finding out more about our cultures and embracing it a lot more. This can be seen, especially I think recently with the Black Lives Matter movement, a lot of people were trying to find out more about themselves, not just black people, but a movement where so many were coming together to stand up for a specific race and the injustice of people who were treated negatively because of the colour of their skin. It was a whole awakening that we should be proud of who we are and we shouldn't be treated differently because we are of a different colour, of a different race, of a different gender, because of anything. Do you wish that growing up this were the case for you or you've grown up and everything's fine, nothing's changed? Honestly, it's. I feel like that's a really tough question because I'm so proud of youth and you know, I do work at Girl Up where every day I get to work with incredible youth activists like you, Mofi. And I'm, it's, it's hard because I see how scared young people are now about like, they want to create inclusive environments, but they're really scared of getting things wrong and offending people. And I appreciate wholeheartedly all the work that they're putting in, but I think it's unfair, especially to younger generations who are now, you know, entering this new world with older generations who have not done a good job in the past of creating equitable environments to then create an environment where they feel they cannot make mistakes, where they cannot like learn at a pace that works for them. I think I'm so proud of the work that youth especially are driving in the U.S. in terms of creating spaces where people of color feel like they can be included. And although we cannot identify with the black experience of Americans here, I think the Brown experience was, was really tough growing up because we did face people who would make racial comments. And I remember I would never share with my family and Kunal came home multiple times from elementary school and would tell us situations that he had encountered with his own friends, people who he trusted felt you know closest to within a classroom setting and for them to make these comments and and make him you know feel alienated and those were situations that I just was scared to tell my parents about because I didn't want them to feel hurt or ashamed the way that I had and 
I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, generations to come around the world, not just in the U.S., that people will embrace their neighbors with love and respect and try to learn. And I think that's what's also interesting about our parents is that I think like growing up, you'd be like, oh, like a woman is wearing a bindi at Coachella and people my age are like, oh my God, that's cultural appropriation. And my parents' generation are like, oh my God, they're embracing our culture. And so it's so interesting to me, like how these two, you know, multiple generations are seeing things so differently because for them, they're like, well, we never saw any representation within the media. But for us, we're like, but this is not the way to do it. And so I think it's, it's going to be a constantly evolving situation, but I hope that people look back at what's been going on around the world for centuries and now, especially during quarantine in the last six months, and really look to check their biases, try to create inclusive environments, realize that they're going to make mistakes and that's okay, but you need to strive to, to understand and and provide spaces where people feel safe regardless of the color of their skin. I think there's a lot of, there are a lot of people with a lot of hope over the summer that like people are paying attention finally and we are, you know, moving in the right direction, but also there's a lot to be done. Yeah. It's now time to hold people accountable for what they said they were going to do. You mentioned that growing up, Canal would voice any horrible things that had happened at school in terms of racial comments or telling his close friends things about him. But Naomi, you didn't do this. Other than your fear of not wanting to upset your parents, was there anything that you think was a bit deeper than that? Could you not come to terms with what had gone on to be able to voice this opinion or to be able to say, mum and dad, this is what had happened? What was the barrier? I don't know, honestly. I think... I've honestly reflected a lot about this in the past few months because Kanal and I have been talking about it more, just like how we grew up and and now kind of embracing natural hair and like your natural beauty and your skin tone is now so supported. And I looked, I remember at a notebook that I had kept when I was in elementary school um, during quarantine and I talked about how there was like a guy I had a crush on and I was like, oh, he only dates white girls. Like he's not going to like a girl with curly hair and dark skin. And growing up, like that's the mentality you have, right? That like people are not going to like you for the way that you look, the person that you are. And I think I just internalized that because I thought if I told my parents, they would just be like, why are you hanging out with people like that? You're like, well, like who else am I going to spend my time with? Like so many people were like that but now it's so interesting because now it's like this huge again a new wave of of young people who are like embrace how you look and everybody's beautiful and you don't have to change how you look you know for other people you should feel um grateful you know for what you've been given and I think that's so interesting especially as a girl or a woman of color growing up I didn't feel that and I think Kunal is also very like I feel like sometimes I have an older mindset too, where like if someone says something, I give them often the benefit of the doubt if they say something that can be offensive. And I was like, oh, they don't mean it that way. You know, they're older. They're not from our generation. And Kanal's like, no, this person needs to get woke. Like they can't be making those comments and you need to, you need to speak up or you need to like remove yourself from the situation that's honestly, I think, a huge push that I've gotten in the last few months that's been helpful for me to reevaluate and, like, 
when am I giving someone the benefit of the doubt versus them giving me the benefit of the doubt? So. I'm curious, you know, your sister had gone through this. At the time, did you see any changes in her to suspect that this was what was going on? Or was she always brave? Was she always confident? Was she always the perfect older sister that you couldn't see through any of this? I think she was pretty confident. I mean, I think when I came to her with, like, stuff that I had gone through, even if it was small stuff, I'd just, like, say it in passing and be like, oh, this person said this today. She'd just be like, she'd be like, yeah, that stuff kind of, like, happens to me too. But I don't think we talked about it very much, and I don't think I really sensed anything because... I wasn't very emotionally aware of anybody for uh, for a good portion of my life. I think it's hard to, um, like, when you're a kid, you really, it's really hard to know how other people are feeling. I think that's a skill that and you I think develop I wasn't, over time. I just wasn't vulnerable, I think, to him. Yeah, and you still aren't. I'm still not, <laughs> so I'm trying to work on that. You'll get yeah. there. We all have different ways of expressing ourselves, and I suppose it's just those closest to us, hence I threw the question at you, Kunal, because... When I'm surrounded by my family, although I'm not very emotional, I'm very much to myself, sometimes they can sense that, mm, what's going on? She's not the same. And I just wanted to see if maybe that, that was the same for you. I, I think, yeah, sorry to cut you off, okay. but I think, uh, I think I know more now when things are off for sure. But when I was younger, I, I definitely, I was worried about my own problems. Just happy-go-lucky. Like. Yeah, I was just like happy to be alive see what's going on and if, you fall. <laughs> if people said something to me i was like yeah whatever i don't know yeah i'm just here enjoying the ride but yeah i wasn't really paying attention honestly unfortunately i think it's different when you're the younger sibling and when you're the older sibling i think you just try to put on a, a strong face i think yeah i think only recently i've started opening up to him because i think previously you you don't want to overburden your sibling and you're like you have to be the sibling that like has it all together and like is is leading by example and so then now to feel like he like can support me and it, it is a two-way street it's nice and and it definitely feels like now I have my guard down and like I don't have to fake it that you know everything is okay is there ever a time where you want to get something off of your chest and you know that the only person you can tell is each other all the time there are times when Sorry, I, mom and dad. There, are times, there are times when I have to get something off my chest and I go to her but there's sometimes when I have to get off something off my chest and I'm like if I tell my sister this she's actually gonna murder me mm-hmm. like if I like make some mistake I don't know and then I'll be like I'll tell her I, in a I month think the same because too. because I know she won't be mad at me in a month when I'm like oh this thing happened that's crazy <laughs> right huh um but yeah I think I think I'm pretty comfortable coming yeah, to I her think with now anything, which is nice. With your conversations, what's the best piece of advice you've gotten from each other? What's something that one has told the other that really sticks with you? <laughs> I was <try, laughs> like, what did I tell you? I'm trying to think of the best advice. Um, so much. I think a lot. I think a lot of times I come with like relationship questions, and and the advice is generally like, stop being an idiot. And I can't even say that's bad advice. That's pretty good advice. I think I, deep down, I'm probably more emotional than she is, which is the truth. So sometimes she'll just, she'll tell me like... Very practical advice. And he's like, there's no heart in this. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, you're typing a lot of periods and not a lot of emotion. So, and she's like, yeah, you're just getting a little bit too emotionally involved in these kinds of things. And I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right. So I guess... 
stepping away. I think it's all, I mean, obviously it's always easier to be the logical person when you're not in the situation, but yeah, I, I do get emotional sometimes. Kanal, I think, has given me the most amount of advice recently on being more self-confident and like being more sure of the decisions I'm making. I tend to overthink and doubt myself a lot and he's always just like just do it like don't think so much like you're qualified to be in the room so just go for it and I think like he knock on wood but he has a pretty good track record (laughs) in terms of that so I think that also really helps and then also just taking things at face value so often you know when you have conflicts with friends and you're like why did so and so say this and what does that mean and he's like who knows? Like, just take, you know, what they said at face value and don't think so much into it. And I think that also helps release a lot of the tension that you just carry day to day once you are not thinking too much into people's, like, should have, could have, would have. And you're just like, okay, this is what this person said or this is what this person did. It is what it is. Yeah, I think in a lot of situations, if you think, like, oh, is this person doing this to, like, hurt me? Or is this person doing this to, like, like, how is this person doing this with me in mind? It's like, they don't have yeah. you in mind. It's like everyone, oh, I mean, this is kind of like cynical, but <laughs> chances are someone's thinking about themselves more than they, they're yeah. thinking about you. And that's not a bad thing, but you just don't have that's to like take everything so life. seriously. Yeah, yeah, that's just the reality. They're probably not doing anything to hurt you. They're just like, they just weren't thinking about it. They're thinking about, you know, themselves, which is fine. That's human nature. As you are talking to me, I'm reflecting. I feel this is a cutting try episode because it's so deep. You've been giving me all of the backstories, all of your opinions, the whole shebang. And first things first, my my initial thought is they they are so loving towards each other. And you might not notice this through your words. <laughs> Naomi just gave a lovely sentimental. <laughs> You're really loving through your words and digging up these issues as children, looking now being adults. That gap that goes unspoken just because you're living it doesn't mean that you shouldn't stop and go back and think about it i do appreciate that you've mentioned during quarantine you have been reflecting i'm just gonna keep taking this in a place where i can learn from your experiences let it flow i'm curious now about the both of you about you together what you've gone through together and how things have been can I- what relationship advice has naomi given you that you think's actually worked people want to know <laughs> you're getting uh you're getting into my private life. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can like what specific advice I have that that like I have gotten. I want to say there's. I guess uh, I don't know. I remember one thing. Uh, yeah, I'm trying thinking. to think of what you. Maybe you know better. Like of what the commonality. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he found he found this useful, but I remember one time growing up in South Asian culture. There's definitely still like a taboo around dating and relationships and. I think one of the hard things, especially when you're growing up Indian American, is how do you navigate like getting to know people in a way that you feel like you're not betraying your South Asian culture. And I remember having a conversation with him where I said, you know, like, are you using culture as an excuse for someone or are you just like not interested in this person? And that's been something that I've also had to use as like, are you using like the South Asian experience as a reason for why you don't want to get to know this person? Or 
is there something like are there legitimate red flags that is that are an, yeah is that an excuse for you yeah because you actually don't want to person is actually not compatible with you and you just don't want to admit that yeah that's true i think that happens to people like so across um, cultures, across like, cultures yeah. and like throughout their life yeah i think that can happen at least a couple times or maybe it doesn't and maybe that just happens to me <laughs> but i hope not <laughs> but that's definitely uh that's definitely true do you think you are using your culture as an excuse at that time um yeah maybe i think i have once or twice for i sure. think i have for sure mm-hmm. It's just easy because you can be like, well, in some situations I have, but in some situations it truly was my culture was stopping me. I think like, it's just so taboo to be in relationships when you're younger, but then it's like suddenly you're- But then suddenly they're like- Yeah, suddenly you're 22 and you get in a relationship and you're like, oh, but I don't really- <laughs> You need to have like some relationship. I think you do need to have like some relationships, even if they're just friendships to know what kind of people you'll like and just like if you do want to be in a long-term relationship eventually like you're not just gonna I mean for some people I guess it works out they like meet somebody in high school and it just is very compatible from day one but you have to know what kind of people you'll get along with in the long term what person you can see growing with you and I don't think I figured that out yet either but sometimes South Asian culture can stop you from having those experiences that can build you up and and form you in that way yeah and i think especially if you're dating like you you don't want to enter i mean maybe you do but, but even it's not even dating it's like friendships too like yeah you will know who is going to be a good friend for life quicker because you've had more friendships in the past where you're like oh i yeah. know these are the people i like and these are people i dislike and who i'll get along with in the long term and yeah it, it spans across all the relationships you have in your life are these things not spoken about in your culture so you say it's kind of a taboo relationships you've gotten to an age where you'd expect that you can speak about this with your parents can you yeah i mean i've i've been pretty i'm actually pretty open with um them like since high school i've been pretty open about that kind of stuff because i think there's like a guilt and also like as we said our parents are pretty i guess western influenced so they're not just gonna start screaming and yelling or anything but um i think i'm pretty open about it now i don't know if, uh, <laughs> i think also but it also like you don't but wanna... also your experience is different because you are the youngest and you are a son yeah i don't like i don't want to say that's a change but i feel like it is a change yeah i think that's a change do you feel that in your culture that happens no i'm just too young uh, i don't think it's the culture I think that when I get of age to start talking about relationships, my parents will start to immerse me into those kind of relationships. But I will admit there is, um, just have it in the back of your mind. Conduct yourself in this way. In all honesty, there are times where it just brushes over my head. But I also understand where my parents are coming from. I suppose they're using what they were taught growing up, so definitely do get what they mean. For me, again, it's just, it's more age. When I get to that stage, my parents are very westernised as well. I feel as if it will be open conversation. In our culture, it's mainly face your studies, face your education, and when it's time for that conversation, then it's time. Yeah, I'm so similar, I think, to ours. I for sure remember going into high school and my mom was like, education first. Mm. Like, everything else is secondary. Which but at the same time, I think that's good advice. No, it definitely was good <laughs> advice. But with that being said, she's 
the party mom. She like always wanted all of my friends over at our house. Like that was never like having a social life was never prevented. Um, but I think it's also harder now when I'm older and like my mom's dad, dad, my grandfather all the time when we're FaceTiming will be like, you're 25 now. Where's your husband? I want to like travel the world with your boyfriend. I'm like, bruh, relax. And I got, um, I ended up getting my MBA in the middle of the summer. And he was like, you got another degree. Like you got another master's, but like, where's your man? Like, you're going to be too overqualified to like marry someone now. And I was like, if a man's not qualified, I don't want him. Yeah. And he was just like, I'm very disappointed. Is that, I understand. Uh, I, I gave some, not death threats, but I was giving some violent threats to, uh, in the last Cutting Chide pod about the, um, there was a question about somebody was saying, <laughs> yeah. like. About their brother not being included in yeah, the wedding party. Yeah, the the brother wasn't being included in the wedding party. And I was like, if you try that. If you don't try to vibe with me, you're out of the tribe. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not me that will be out. It's you that will be gone. <laughs> You're like, Sorry. no matter what, you take more space in your sister's heart than her man should. Got it. No problem. <laughs> For now. I mean, For now. I'm not possessive. Well, I, it was really, I, I was talking to someone early in quarantine, and they told me that they also had an older sister, and he said, you know, like, if I, if I told my sister I hated her husband, she would leave him today. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, like, that's really intense like your sister is really ride or die for you but then I realized like <laughs> Kanahal was like this is just not working like not for a husband but like in a relationship I would be like yeah probably like he knows me best. but I would lay out the, the but Kanal would give me like a framework like he did for cutting chai and be like these are points one through six <laughs> yes or no and then you'd be like I guess yeah I'm not <laughs> just gonna come out and say it I I'll set up a nice argument before I come into that meeting and then you would have a rebuttal. <laughs> It'll be a pros and cons list, but the cons will just like keep going and going and going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. One pro, 25 cons. Yeah. You make the decision. I think she'll get the message and then it's gone and goodbye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Other than relationships, what else is a taboo topic to talk about in your culture? What's a disagreeable topic? Like a taboo. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, I don't know if there are many. I feel like mental health has become an increasingly larger conversation. Mental health is definitely a big one. Yeah. I don't know if there are that many other ones. I think... I feel like mental health and dating are the toughest. Mm-hmm. And oft- I think we were really lucky growing up where our parents did not force us into specific career paths. But for for many um, immigrant children, they are often you know pushed towards medicine, engineering, whatever else, um, and there's no other option. And our parents were always like, you have to do what you love and you've worked so hard and it really matters like if you're gonna be happy. So I think we're really grateful that our parents were really open about us pursuing whatever we wanted to pursue. I also don't think mental health is like a specific South Asian taboo. I think that's pretty widespread among all people. Um, And I don't think, I actually don't think it's any, I mean, it is, a pretty big taboo in South Asian culture, but I don't know if it's any bigger necessarily than other cultures. Not necessarily, but it is. Yeah, it's, it's like so. I think there's when, a lot of work to be done yeah. there all over the world and in yeah. everyone's minds and society. And I think the continued dismissal of like, oh, this is like everyone's experience, 
um, you know, like things will get better, especially when you're a teenager or a young adult. That kind of language can be incredibly toxic for someone who, who feels like they can't go anywhere else. And if you feel like your parents have always been such a big support, it's definitely hard to come out of that. But I think, again, 2020, I think it's been such a pivotal year because of quarantine. People are talking so much about maintaining your mental health and doing things to, you know, make yourself feel a little lighter, to reduce your anxiety, to reduce, you know, your low points. And I'm not sure if we would have the same openness and that same conversation around it, you know, if quarantine was not happening. Quarantine has definitely brought up a lot of topics that luckily we've had the time to speak about, progress towards and move forward. I know that in my household, it's the most time I've ever spent bonding with my parents. This is the only time we're ever going to get to talk to you about these kind of things, because when life continues, it's so fast-paced and we don't get to have these sit-down talks. So I definitely agree that during this time, it's been an amazingly reflective time, and I'm glad we've been able to talk about these things. I feel as though that we've come out of quarantine and there are lots of things I kind of wish I did, although there was only so much for you to do. Do you feel the same in any way? Is there anything you wish you'd brought up? Anything you'd wish you'd done in that time that we're never going to get back? I think it's easy. I mean, we're pretty much still in quarantine. Yeah. Um, even though I like moved out, I'm not really doing that much. And the U.S. is obviously handling the coronavirus extremely poorly. But I think no matter who it is that you'll look back and you'll be like, yeah, I had a lot of time, so I probably could have done X, Y, Z. Like I had goals of, reading that started off really well and then now I'm not reading as often as I should be or like building different products or whatever engineering products but I'm also proud of like the things that we did do because we got a puppy and um I trained him and he's like a pivotal part of our family now um we made the podcast which I thought was like a really cool thing that we were able to do and I love podcasts, so I just really wanted to have one at some point. So I'm really happy that we got to do that. Um, I really, like, during that time where I wasn't in school or working over the summer, I did a lot of, like, self-reflecting and thought a lot about, like, who I was as a person, what I had done. Because I think a lot of people don't reflect on college and your education afterwards because you're traveling or whatever, you want to do a trip, or you quickly start work afterwards. But I got that little bit of time to reflect and be home on like my family and what I wanted to do with my future. And I think that's going to help me a lot many years down the road because I got to think so much about who I am and what I want to do. So I, I think I'll, once quarantine ends, I'll be pretty content with. I was lucky enough where so far, knock on wood, that I was pretty comfortable during quarantine and got to do a lot of stuff. So I don't think I'll have many regrets, to be honest. I don't know how you feel yeah I, I would say pretty much the same boat I think I've definitely done a lot of personal and professional development and reflection um and I think as Kanal said like it's been a great time to reprioritize yourself and like really understand what your values and priorities in life are now that so many of of our existing routines were just kind of thrown to the wind I think the other aspect which was really interesting for me is that I for as long as I know, like my education has been my life, my career has been my life. And I joke at Girl Up that Girl Up is a lifestyle, not a job. And so, you know, being able to travel so much as part of my job and being able to meet girls around the world 
there was not really any time to do anything else um, outside of, you know, doing the bare minimum to like stay alive and stay healthy. And then once all of that traveling stopped and being able to really like connect back to who I am outside of my job and what my value is outside of my title and my position and my organization, I think that was a really grounding experience. And I think that's something that also comes out of, you know, like Asian cultures, we're so tied to our work and our value is tied to our work. And so like now recognizing like, what happens if you don't have a job? Like, who are you outside of that? Who are you without your degrees? Um, that's been like a really important reflection that I had. And I hope to continue to think about that, you know, as the years go, go on. That really hit me, Naomi. Who are you without all of those things that society sees as amazing to get you to where you supposedly want to be in life in terms of job and in terms of ranking but put them all aside and it's just you bear you have to learn more about yourself and who you are if all those things are taken away from you you're only left with yourself that that really hit me you've taken me on an emotional roller coaster here and i'm not <laughs> i'm not emotional you're asking you're leading us so <laughs> it's true I like, to like grab a big glass of water after this I yeah. will say a that. big a big pot of applesauce for me <laughs> I hope you get well soon oh my goodness I know me too I'm craving like meat right now <laughs> which is bad as a Hindu I am but I well mean, I mean uh, we eat meat it's we not that eat we don't yeah hey uh to chew is really a great ability <laughs> you never think about it until, until you, you can't until you can't anymore <laughs> I have been talking to you for ages and honestly I have so many questions that I might just have to send them through for you to get through on Cutting Chai and just tune in knowing that the episode's dedicated to me and um, that'll be lovely but I'm so so happy to have had you both on and what I would like to have hoped is you've enjoyed this experience to sit down and talk to each other kind of take a second and hit pause and speak about things that although you're now speaking about on Cutting Chai Prior to, you might not have brought up these conversations. I hope you've learned a little bit more about each other and that the vulnerability you share amongst one another does remain constant and that you can keep going to each other, which by the sounds of the conversation as you're growing, you are beginning to do more often. I kind of want us to summarise everything now for you to like take a breath, take a second, and once you're ready, if you can please write your letter to self. I can go for that. Okay. Dear Kanal, I hope that in the future you're able to make an impact on a group of people, um, whether that be through your career or outside of it. And I hope that you're happy with where you are and who you are as a person and that your family is healthy. Sincerely, Kanal from the past. <laughs> Go next. Dear Naomi, I hope wherever you are in the future that you are happy healthy and striving towards some goal as per usual. <laughs> I also hope that you get out of your comfort zone and you try things that you never expected and surround yourself with people who are fun and energetic and intelligent and make you feel that life is worth living. And I hope that you continue to enjoy the time with your family and that you're you're still close with your family and that you're just enjoying what life has to offer. Lots of love, Naomi. You. <laughs> also, I hope that your wisdom teeth aren't causing any issues anymore <laughs> to myself. P.S. 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 <laughs> hope your teeth are not crowding anymore 
or sensitive. Hopefully not. <laughs> that was wonderful. You have been amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time. I would love to make sure that everyone checks out the Cutting Chai podcast by Naomi and Kunal, as well as heading over to their Instagram page at Cutting Chai Pod to see the delicious treats that we discussed they make and to send over some juicy questions for their next episode. It has been amazing and I have loved this so much. I will see you all next time for another episode of Today Is Not Tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you so much.